Welcome to the Travel Pulse Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bowman, the executive editor of TravelPulse.com. Mark your calendar for this year's Cruise World, taking place November 6th through 8th in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Cruise World brings together travel advisors and suppliers through educational workshops, informative general sessions, and its signature one-day exhibitor showcase. To learn more about attending, visit www.cruiseworldshow.com. What's up, everyone? Today is Monday, January 22nd, a special Monday edition of the podcast here this week as I'll be traveling on Travel Tuesday tomorrow to fly down to Miami with my family for Royal Caribbean's Icon of the Seas preview sailing. Super pumped to be there, super pumped to see the new world's largest cruise ship and watch the naming ceremony happen there. And what a way to celebrate my daughter's birthday, too, as she turns four on Wednesday. She is all excited, getting ready to uh, pack. All her stuff is pretty much already packed anyway, and uh, I'm really excited to uh, hop on that plane for a window seat. Uh, it's the little things, right? <laughs> we got a fun show, though. We'll be talking big news, as always. And you can contact us at podcast at travelpulse.com. And we also have a hotline for the show. You can call in and leave a message. 201-381-3017 is the Travel Pulse podcast number. Joining me on the show later is Dale Buckner, CEO of Global Guardian. He and I will dive into the world's riskiest destinations and the world's safest destinations too. But first, as we do for every episode, in case this is your first time listening to the show, we're going to dive into what has been trending in the world of travel in the last week. And we begin over with airline news as the FAA is looking to allow the Boeing 737 MAX 9 to return, provided that the airlines agree to perform additional inspections. So uh, FAA has already inspected about 40 planes of the 170, so they want the airlines to do a little bit more too. And the, um, the FAA is also inspecting additional Boeing planes with the same door plug. So aviation experts revealed that the 737-900ER features the same door plug design as the 737 MAX 9, which has been grounded since January 5th. And the incident there when happened on Alaska Airlines. Plane door got ripped off mid-flight. So the 737-900ER is flown by Alaska also, but also flown by Delta and United. And reps from these carriers said that the inspections of the 737-900ER had started last week, but there's been no operational impact expected and no issues detected this far uh, either. So that's great news on that front. It's good that they're testing all this out, testing as much as possible to be safe. No need to rush the return of this plane and anything like that. So, and you know, while we're at it, yes, let's test all those Boeing planes out there. Seems pretty fair given the turbulent ride they've had as a brand over recent years there. We'll test them all, make sure everything's good so we don't have any more incidents like this, the plane doors happening or crashes or things like that. Let's reduce that. In other airline news, we jump over to the JetBlue Spirit merger saga. Oh, what a saga it has been. And last week it came sort of to an end. It's the beginning of the end, I guess we'll say. I don't know. We'll, we'll, a lot's going to shake out this year, but it does seem like it's the beginning of the end now as the merger was blocked by the federal judge last week. And the reasoning giving, they said that they found the merger to be anti-competitive and it would harm consumers. Now the airlines are going to appeal. However, the appeal process could take months or longer. So and that could become an issue given JetBlue is facing a July deadline to close the merger. So the merger isn't successful by the deadline. The two airlines could agree to extend or terminate the deal. So this is going to be an ongoing thing. It's not looking good for this merger. I wonder, you know, does JetBlue just say, forget you, Spirit. The government said we can't have it. We're moving on and we're going to go back to Frontier. We'll see. I don't know. I mean, how does the government react to that one? The federal government, they would they shut that down too and say it's anti-competitive and would harm consumers? I don't know. 
it's going to be another interesting year in aviation and the merger talks don't seem like they will die down anytime soon and it's going to be an ongoing thing. Speaking of interesting times in aviation, though, how's that staffing situation going? How's that going to continue to play out? Well, last week, Airlines for America and their CEO, they urged the Biden administration to take action on the air traffic controller shortages. The total level of air traffic controllers in the U.S. is down 10% since 2012. That's not great. Air travel to and from the U.S. doubled in December. It's growing. We're setting records for TSA passenger count. We've got tons of people flying. More and more people are taking to the skies for leisure and for business, so we need more and more people working these air traffic control towers. We need more people to pilot these planes. Let's make it happen. The time is now. We need to strike an action with that. So I am with Nick Calio on that, on the Airlines for America, and urging the Biden administration to get some stuff done this year, people. Let's make it happen. The aviation industry absolutely needs it. Jumping over to destination news now. Travel prices continue to fluctuate. So what are you seeing out there? Podcast at TravelPulse.com. Let me know your thoughts on the current state of travel prices right now. Most Americans, though, they do anticipate spending more on their trips this year. Uh, as we saw in a new Bloomberg survey that came out last week, and they found that 67% of U.S. vacationers will plan to spend more on travel vacations in 2024. And my first thought upon reading that the other day was, well, yeah, I mean, everything costs more these days. So, of course, we're going to be spending more. But, you know, the fact that we're already aware that, yeah, I'm going to spend on vacation and I'm planning this out, you know, whatever the cost is, people are still going. They're jet setting. They're hitting the road, jumping on cruise ships and trains and moving all about the world. You love to see it. The industry is certainly bouncing back. Just uh, the whole pricing situation is a little bit all over the place. Maybe you can find a steal of a deal out there and, you know, jump all over it. But those are few and far between these days right now. But we do know that people are continuing to travel. The United Nations World Tourism Organization is predicting a complete post-pandemic tourism recovery this year with international tourism arrivals to exceed 2019 numbers by 10%. You know, they said in 2023, international tourism ended at 88% of the pre-pandemic levels in some places like the Mediterranean Europe, the Caribbean, and Central America and North African subregions. They already surpassed those 2019 numbers. They were doing well. They're doing good. But the rest of the world, you know, trying to catch up, trying to get back, you know, and we're getting there, folks. And the United Nations World Tourism Organization said it's going to happen this year. They say the entire world's going to get back into it in 2024. We'd love to see it. In other destination news, though, experts are warning of a high sargasm seaweed levels in Mexico, Caribbean, and Florida. We've got oceanographers from the University of South Florida discovered a massive sargasm in the Atlantic Ocean that could bring record levels of that stinky seaweed to Mexico and the Caribbean and Florida, as I said. And the times on that is uh, varying over the... Um, the course of this spring and into summertime, but the mass that they found is nearly five times larger than the mass that was discovered in 2023. And they're saying that it could arrive as early as February in some locations. It lasts through October. So the experts are projecting that the Caribbean will see it as early as March and it's expected in parts of Florida and Mexico by April or May. So not uh, great news on that front. Uh, this That stinky seaweed is an unpleasant sight when you're in trying to be in a tropical paradise location. So, you know, some places do a better job at preventing it uh, from hitting their beaches. Others do a better job at cleaning it up once it is on their beaches. And they uh, tackle that in the early hours of the morning before many guests, uh, many resort guests are awake and head their way to the beach. So if you want to avoid it altogether, though, book with a travel advisor, my friends. They're going to be able to guide you uh, in those locales that really do a great job of preventing any of that from happening or at least getting it off the beach super fast. 
And closing out destination news, we look to the Northern Lights. As experts are saying that 2024 will bring the best views of the Northern Lights, also known as the Aurora Borealis, and the best views in over two decades. How awesome is that? So if you have that at the top of your bucket list, now is the time to get going on that. You want to see that this year. The best places to see them this year, there are a few places in the U.S., and because they are being deemed to be the best viewed in over two decades, some places in the U.S. might see them that haven't really had that great of looks at them before, and that includes Minnesota, Michigan, and northern Maine as well. And then obviously Alaska is a great place to see them too. You're, and you've got Iceland, Norway, northern Canada, Finland, and Sweden all rounding out uh, places overseas to go see them where you'll need that passport if you want to see them over there and have a stronger chance at seeing them and seeing them better. Although, you know, that's not to discredit Alaska by any means. So you can see great northern lights there as well if you don't want to go overseas. Have you seen the northern lights? I would love to hear from you on that front. Podcast at travelpulse.com. That wraps up what has been trending in the world of travel. Any additional thoughts, you can drop me an email or you can hit us up on that call line. Now we're going to jump over to our theme of the week and our interview segment of this week's show. Mark your calendar for this year's Cruise World, taking place November 6th through 8th in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Cruise World brings together travel advisors and suppliers through educational workshops, informative general sessions, and its signature one-day exhibitor showcase. To learn more about attending, visit www.cruiseworldshow.com. And now joining me on the podcast is Dale Buckner, CEO of Global Guardian. Welcome to the show, Dale. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Thank you, Eric. Happy to be here. Uh, I'm the CEO of a firm called Global Guardian that is a traditional duty of care provider. So we're primarily supporting corporate headquarters of traveling executives, employees around the world, and then families as they uh, travel around the world. And then we do have a support arm here in the United States, of course. Yes, and we know families are traveling around the world in massive droves this year. It's going to be record-setting travel this year. I really feel that. So let's dive right into it, Dale. What are your thoughts on the current state of global travel right now? Well, I think one, the you know post-COVID travel, to your point, is completely rebounded. You're seeing unbelievable numbers of people moving around the globe. I think it's a good news, bad news story. The good news is volume and people are getting back to normalcy and trying to get to their quote unquote bucket list type items. The downside is you have to be more precise about where you go and in what condition and what status you go than ever before. We've seen more executives uh, detained in Asia and China, for example, than we've ever seen uh, we've seen lots of conflict between Ukraine and its borders with Russia. Uh, obviously, what's going on in Israel, Gaza, uh, Lebanon to its north and the entire Middle East starting to really get engaged. And just a persistent uh, increase in natural disasters. And then lastly, as you look towards 2024, seven of the largest 10 democracies in the world will have uh, elections this year. And inevitably, there will be disruption. So as you think about the status of travel, again, it's a good news, bad news story. I think in the bad news story, you just have to be more vigilant than ever, and you have to be prepared more than ever. Excellent advice. Yes, being prepared is key. That's where, you know, working, I always say work with a travel advisor and get travel insurance to anyone I meet on the streets. Like, what do you do for work? I'm like, oh, I work in travel and, and never fails. They ask like, you know, where should I go? What should I do? And I say, well, book with a travel advisor and make sure you get travel insurance because, being prepared, especially these days after COVID, is, is so key right now. It's it's inevitable. It's 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 so important to be prepared. 
Yeah. I think on that note, the one thing that I always implore in these conversations, when you talk about travel insurance, you have to read the fine print. When you read the fine print, a majority, if not almost all travel insurances do not cover war zones. If you are in Israel and you had a travel insurance policy, it's not going to cover you coming out of Israel, you know, a majority of the time. If you were in Morocco or Turkey last year in the earthquakes, travel insurance does not cover natural disasters. Uh, And then lastly, when you think about terrorism or active shooter, active assailant across Europe, Asia, Middle East, it won't cover those either. So it is inevitably more complicated, but ultimately you have to understand if you call and push that button because you are stranded, pinned down, injured, sick, or isolated, you want to know that it's going to work and you need to read that fine print to ensure that the policy you are buying covers you in those extreme situations. Excellent advice there. Yes, because a lot of people do not read fine prints out there. And that goes back to, you know, working with a travel advisor and hope they, they guide you in that. And a lot of them let you know ahead of time, you know, yeah, you're not covered in these instances, just so you are aware, because you never know what can happen out there, though. That's exactly right. 100%. And when we talk about never knowing what can happen, you know, some of that, you know, knowing what can happen in some of these more riskier destinations, you have a a better chance of knowing at least a little bit. So what are some of these risky travel destinations out there? Yeah, I think the obvious ones right now is anything in and around Gaza and Israel, the Ukraine with the Russians. These are both hot combat zones, if you will. Outside of that, the ones that are not in the press, the ones that are not nearly uh, as obvious, if you will, unless you're really paying attention Syria, South Sudan, Libya, Somalia, Yemen, obviously with the Houthis, what's going on right now, firing into the Red Sea at both commercial and U.S. assets. Iraq is a bit unhinged again, and Afghanistan, since the U.S. left or NATO left, obviously Afghanistan's gone 10 steps backward and is quite dangerous at this point. So when you think about that, just the combination of a hot war in Europe, a hot war uh, in the Middle East, and all of the bordering countries, and of course, places like Somalia, these are the places that you have to pay attention to. And when you think about Somalia and the borders of places like that, it reaches down all the way into Kenya. We have a lot of high net worth families that go on safari in Kenya, for example. There have been major terrorist incidents that all originated in Somalia. So when you think about Iraq, what borders is Syria? So it's always that tentacle or that kind of connective tissue from these hot spots, and it typically goes beyond those borders. And I think that's the real kind of analysis a traveler needs to think through is not just that it's Yemen, but what does it border on and where is that conflict starting from? Those are the kinds of questions you want to do a little research or have someone advise you through. Definitely so. And, and you guys at Global Garden, you have a global risk map that just launched a new 2024 one. Can you talk a little bit more about that and what travelers should be aware yeah. of there? Yeah, I I think if you look at any duty of care or intelligence, global travel intelligence platform, um, in the past, call it 30 years, the market to include the State Department, consulates, embassies have gotten quite good at putting out reports with risk risk ratings per country. The problem that we've had with those risk ratings, and we at Global Guardian had the same issue, is they were typically based on street crime, stability of the government, natural disasters, uh, terrorism, things like that. 
the problem with that, it's, it's, it's one dimensional. And what we've seen in a post COVID world is that supply chain disruption, stability of government, and most importantly, Eric, geopolitics now matter in a way that we've never seen before. When I said earlier that we've had executives detained in China, that's based on geopolitics. When you have NATO pushing back and supplying arms into the Ukraine, it's now affecting how Russia is posturing itself in the future. That's geopolitics. Those geopolitics are going to have second, third, fourth order effects. Hong Kong's another example. We've had people detained in Hong Kong. We'd have consulting offices that have been raided in Hong Kong by the Chinese government. This is based on geopolitics. So to put it very simply, we here at Global Guardian took our standard map that looked very much like the rest of the market based on crime, terrorism, stability of government, natural disaster. And we've now overlaid that map with a new geopolitical index to show you the second, third, fourth order effects and the risk to travelers through this lens of how geopolitics now matters in a much more material way. And lastly, if you're running a corporation, you're a CEO, COO, CFO, you're a senior leader, that you now have to think in these terms of where am I going to stand at my next office? What does that look like? What are the geopolitics potentially over the next 10, 20, 30 years? That kind of calculus in your in your decision making now matters in a way in this post-COVID world that it simply didn't 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. So I think that's the biggest and newest factor in developing these risk ratings for the world. When we talk about risk in these destinations, obviously, and in the geopolitical factor is, I feel like, really played a, a significant change. Uh, you know, if you were to say, you know, 10 years ago, if we were to talk about geopolitical and travel, you know, where is that 10 years versus what we are, are now? It's definitely way more, you know, and, and that's why you guys put it in this map and everything and, and, and the, the challenges that present with that. But what about safe travel destinations? We talked about risky stuff. What about some of the safest travel destinations out there that get a lot of play for being uh, really good, safe to go to, especially for families out there? Yeah, the obvious ones, uh, Ireland, obviously they did, if you're tracking this, Ireland had some significant protest after Israel went into Gaza. Outside of that, though, Ireland historically has been incredibly safe for travelers. Iceland, Denmark, New Zealand, Austria, all kind of, you know, uh, in the west side of Europe or the central part of Europe, all of these are incredibly low-risk crime countries low-risk natural disaster countries and low-risk terrorism uh, countries and almost no conflict of any kind in Ireland, Iceland, Denmark, New Zealand, Austria. Now, that could change, again, the geopolitics of what are happening with Russia. Right now, as you look at Western Europe and NATO, NATO countries are literally forecasting that they could be at war, a hot war with Russia in the next decade much like when you look at what's happening between the West and China over Taiwan, there has been a consistent level of escalation. But for now, outside of that, the central part of Europe, Western parts of Europe for the most part, um, really are safe, secure environments. It doesn't, ma- it doesn't mean it can't change in a heartbeat, of course, but for now, those are the kinds of places when you think about kind of not wanting to ever think about crime, theft, street crime, terrorism. These are the kinds of countries that come to mind. 
And that's certainly, you know, top of mind for a lot of people out there, especially for families, especially if you're going to, you know, make the trek overseas and fork up a lot of dollars as it costs as travel prices, as I talked about earlier on the show, or are, you know, fluctuating all over the place and certainly higher than they ever have been at times, unless you can find yourself a steal of a deal, which are few and far between these times here. But yeah, if you're going to pay a lot of money, you want to ensure that you are going to some place that safety, you don't really have to worry too much about. So uh, you mentioned some, you know, you know, some safe destinations there. What about you, your specific favorite destinations? I know it's a loaded question. You've traveled all over the world, but any that's really stand out over you uh, over the last few years here for you uh, in Indian travels on that? Yeah, so I, I have a top three. I mean, number one, without question for me personally, is Santiago, Chile and Viña del Mar, Chile. Um, Chile is quiet. It's intentional. Their government is quiet. They don't make a lot of noise about the size and scope and scale of their natural resources. It is second to Brazil and Central South America. The Chilean government, of course, they have a you know a bit of a rough history of Pinochet. He he was a bit draconian. The counter to that though is the government functions at an incredibly high level. It's efficient. It is a Western style government and it is wonderful for the most part at providing essential services. The road and communication system works. The cellular system works. Uh, the way they regulate imports and exports, it works. Sewer, water, outside of, you know, just like any country having some poor spots, all of these systems from a centralized government are quite effective. And then you take the natural beauty of Chile and its stability. You know, there's, there's been some hiccups here and there, but for the most part, uh, it's quite safe. It is quite uh, stable. The government, you know, for the most part, again, there's there's always some ups and downs. But the country itself and its natural beauty, you have deserts, you have oceans, you have vineyards. And of course, when you see that little tag on everyone's coat, that's quite stylish, that says Patagonia, it is some of the most remarkable terrain literally in the world. Uh, and the mountains can go up upward of 15,000 feet, look straight into Argentina, and it's unspoiled terrain. So Chile is is a staggeringly beautiful place. Um, and then I think Vietnam um, and the islands uh, off the coast and, and Thailand, the beauty of a tropical environment, I think, is underestimated in that part of Asia. I think there are there are parts and pieces of those islands and that chain of islands uh, that are just stunning and, and literally second to none in parts of the world for their natural beauty of an ocean beach type setting. So I think those two places typically get underestimated or overlooked um, when people yeah. look at their bucket list. But I think Chile is a stunning place to go. I was just going to say, yeah, the you the scenery and both of the places that you mentioned there are absolutely breathtaking. And they're, neither of those places are really thought of as, you know, top five really destinations for a lot of American travelers out there. And they really should, you know, skyrocket up some of the people's lists here because they're absolutely fantastic destinations. You, go ahead. Yeah. You you can go surfing in Viña del Mar, have lunch at a vineyard, and go, uh, you know, skiing in the same day in Chile. It's much like Los Angeles in that you can go surfing, have lunch, and go skiing at Big Bear, it, it, but the traffic's better, if you will. Yeah. So it, it's a really, really unique environment, and it's just so, the natural beauty is pretty staggering. Yeah, and your dollar is going to go a little bit further in, in Chile yeah. instead of L.A., <laughs> that's for sure. So, um, But as, as we talk about, you know, safety and risks and everything, you know, to our travel advisor listeners that we have here, what would be your advice or recommendations on how they should handle client concerns when it comes to traveling safely? I have a really simple, simple outlook on this. 
And it, it sounds simplistic, but it is loaded with complex answers. What we tell our clients is this. If you can get on the airplane to travel to country X or city X and answer three or four key questions, you should go. If you cannot answer these questions, then you should not go. And it almost doesn't matter where you're going to. Number one, who and how will you be supported and retained if you are kidnapped or you are hacked? Do you know who and what platform is going to help you if you're in Venezuela, Mexico, or the Southern Islands um, in the Philippines and you're kidnapped as a Westerner? Do you know how you're going to be supported and recovered? Um, If you are caught in a natural disaster, a tsunami, an earthquake, a hurricane, do you know who's going to call? And if you call, will that service operate in a natural disaster and come get you and pluck you out of the next Sudan or the next earthquake or the next tsunami that hits either Japan or Thailand, which we've seen in the past? Um, If you are sick or injured, are you going to be medevaced to a to your home or are you going to be medevaced to what kind of cheap like insurance or some of these legacy duty of care providers where they determine where you fly for tier one level medical care. Um, It's a big deal. I don't want, if I'm injured on safari in Kenya, I don't want to be taken to Eastern Europe because my duty of care, my insurance provider says you're being taken to a medical center of excellence. To me, that's code for you're going where I tell you because it's cheap. If I get sick or injured on safari, I want to be taken back to my home so I get treated by my home doctor, especially if it's serious and it's surgery. And then lastly, if you find yourself in the next Ukraine, the next Israel, when missiles start flying or there's a civil war in South Sudan uh, and you're in that environment, do you know who's going to support you and get you through that? And if you can answer those questions, you should get on the airplane. If you cannot answer those questions, we recommend you get those answers first, then get on the airplane. Terrific insight. Yes, all, all great questions to be you know, wondering about before you uh, fork over a lot of money and do a very long trip that you've you know, highly anticipated for so long. So great insights there, Dale. Um, lastly, as we wrap up here, any, any continuing advice uh, that you'd like to share along to our listeners here on uh, travel advice or anything yeah. else you want to plug? Go, go for it. I think very simply... No one predicted no no one predicted properly World War II and the invasion of Pearl Harbor. No one saw airplanes being turned into missiles as we saw in 9-11. Complete meltdown and failure of the intelligence on how quickly Kabul, Afghanistan would fall to the Taliban. Most recently, what you've now seen with um, Russia going into Ukraine, most people never thought Putin would do it. And then with the complete failure of intelligence, with the Israelis and the Western intelligence platforms where they did not pick up Hamas attacking into Israel. Here's my point. Stop thinking about what worked for the last 50 years or what the patterns of risk have been and start thinking about what is in the realm of possible. If it is possible, then you need to consider it. This is the change required by leaders and parents as they continue to travel the world and think about where they're going to build their next vacation home or where they're going to put their next corporate headquarters or where people are going to be put on the ground. You have to think in terms of what's in the realm of possible, not what's gone on for the last 30, 40, 50 years. It's the wrong mindset. And I think this is where 
people find themselves in trouble where you see BP literally leaving billions of dollars worth of assets and equipment and operations in Russia and having to walk away from it. Um, It's the lack of imagination. It's the family uh, going to Germany or Europe, going to a Christmas market and having someone run people over and kill them at scale at a Christmas market. It's unfathomable, but it is part of Europe now. If I ask most of your audience, do you think Paris is the city of lights and love? Most people would say yes. They quickly forget about what happened in 2015, uh, where, you know, well over 450 people were killed or injured in terrorist attacks. It's the mindset of what's in the realm of possible and then making sure you've thought through how am I going to get through this crisis if it happens. Excellent insight. Dale, I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to jump on and talk all things uh, travel and risk and safe here on the podcast. Yes, sir. Thank you. I enjoyed it. And that's uh, Dale Buckner, CEO of Global Guardian. Be sure to check out Global Guardian's risk map if you'd like more insights on that. That's all the time we have for this week's podcast. Stay tuned. I'll be back next week talking about my icon of the seas cruise trip. So look forward to that. Thanks again for listening. Have a great week. 